0: Excited to have Robert Hodges here, CEO of Altinity. He is also a co-organizer from the Bay Area DOKC Meetup. Um, He is here to talk about uh, security threats to cloud-native databases and to show what protection you should look for in operators. Really excited to have him here because this topic comes up pretty frequently in our community. Operator security is top of mind for end users as they evaluate whether to adopt an operator. It was the number one criteria noted in our 2022 survey. Uh, 500 end users so this is very top of mind for folks very timely conversation and he is leading the project that i mentioned previously about operator security hardening guide Um, without further ado i will turn it over to robert welcome robert thank you melissa thank you here thank you yeah it's great to be here and yeah thanks for the great lead-in my talk is called repel borders and it's how to find a kubernetes operator that protects your data um, so let me just jump in and do a little bit of an intro. You've already heard uh, uh, what I do for a living, uh, but I've I've been working on databases for forty years, and Kubernetes since twenty eighteen. Um, our company is uh, uh, is an enterprise provider for Clickhouse. It's a popular data warehouse and uh, open source. Turns out it runs very well on Kubernetes, and the reason we know that is that. We developed one of the first, possibly the first operator for a data warehouse uh, starting back in at the end of 2018. It it was released in 2019. And then we took that operator and we use it to build um, a cloud for ClickHouse that was actually the first uh, uh, managed ClickHouse in both Amazon and GCP. And so we now have this cloud. Uh, We have hundreds, we run hundreds of ClickHouse clusters on it. Uh, We run about 100 uh, Kubernetes clusters. And then uh, because the operator is open source, it's actually used for, um, uh, throughout the world, there are thousands and thousands of ClickHouse clusters uh, that run on it. And uh, as a result, we found that we had to think pretty deeply about security. Um, We're SOC2 certified, like most uh, cloud services, uh, getting into things like FedRAMP, and uh, so security just became increasing you know the deeper we got into this the more we started to think about security and that led uh to the talk you see today so um let's start at the top so kubernetes operators basically make it possible to run data on kubernetes they're they're just they're just one of those uh, the big advances in kubernetes that has really changed the uh our ability to use the platform and the basic idea behind an operator for anybody who doesn't know what they are, is they're a resource manager on Clickhouse. They define a, uh, basically, you define a new resource type that represents your database, and then you can control it by submitting YAML. So if it's a simple operator, you know, just doing, say, my SQL with, with persistent storage, it can be like a really short piece of YAML. It could be a few lines long. You submit it to Kubernetes. It has a resource name on it. Kubernetes will identify the operator that's responsible for that resource and forward it to it. And then the operator makes it happen. So, uh, so it, it means that you can, for example, set up simple databases just in a few minutes from start to finish. Now the place where this really, I, you know, simple databases are not a big deal because you could just write a deployment or write, you know, like code the stateful sets yourselves, but you uh, In real databases, particularly data warehouses and other types of distributed uh, uh, data, the databases are complicated. They are large clusters. And so what you'll end up having to do to stand these up in Kubernetes is you might have to define and manage 50 or 60 or even more resources. In some cases, it's hundreds, everything from config maps to services to, uh, you know, to to persistent volumes, so on and so forth. So you have a larger amount of YAML that you feed into the operator, but it's still pretty simple. It's, it tends to be a couple pages of of information that, that will set up this, this complex cluster. Now, the problem is that as, now that we've made it easy to run data, well, or at least possible, I should say, to run data on Kubernetes, well, what that means is that, okay, People are going to be interested in coming there to try and hack it. So, um, and and so as a result, the, the more deeply you go into the into the operators and the more dependent you become on them, the more you're going to depend on the operators to actually supply the security that we normally expect to to protect databases, particularly when they're running in clouds, particularly when they're running in locations where there might be network access from the outside. So. What what we can start with as we think about this problem is just thinking about what is the threat model that we have to deal with in databases, and this is something we've we've had to deal with for for decades. And databases do, um, you know, even on enterprise networks, people can still get in; they can still see see data. Um, this is a traditional uh, uh, database threat model. But it starts on the on the left side with with sort of the application connections, um, and then goes all the way to the right side where you have to think about things like backups, which are actually a really great place to go steal data, uh, because they're often unencrypted and uh, particularly in cloud environments, it's pretty easy to expose them by accident. So there's a host of things that uh, that you know we have to deal with, and databases by and large do a pretty good job of of Covering these things, um, and so we're we're sort of used to doing things like you know just to take one example, uh, you know, adding uh, encryption for application connections. One important thing to think about is that it's it you have a tendency to think about this as as an application problem, but if you look at the threat model, you also need to consider the fact it's it's a um, this is a cluster, it's a distributed system, so we also need to consider threats that arise as the servers talk to each other. Now, when we operate in Kubernetes, this threat model evolves. We have the same issues, but we also then layer in some kind of interesting concerns, particularly if we're running Kubernetes inside a cloud. And here's just some examples of the types of of things that can happen. I'll just pick two. Um, Exposed public endpoints. So if you're not careful, if you set up um, EKS, for example, which is a very popular managed clickhouse on, uh, excuse me, managed Kubernetes on, on uh, Amazon. And you just run an operator and set up a, a database service, if you're not careful, you can end up creating a, an exposed public endpoint. I think every many people here probably remember the, the, the disaster where all the uh, Mongo d- uh, databases, uh, were exposed to the internet and could uh, without passwords and could and or encryption could easily be accessed. Uh, Kubernetes offers a way to do that at uh, you know for many databases because uh, you know if you just uh, you know sort of naively set things up and set up a, a service, it may very well as a side effect create a load balancer that's publicly available. So that's an example of of a new concern that we get as we're operating in Kubernetes. Um, another one is uh, backups, which are tend to be in object storage. You need to make sure that that's configured correctly, so that only the Kubernetes cluster and the people, the the processes generating the backups, can see it, um, and that there's no uh, there's there's no access. And even if there were access, that the data is encrypted. So these are just examples of the types of things that we now need to think about when we're when we're operating in Kubernetes. So this is a bit of a mess. Um, And it's a mess in the way that security already always is. It's a lot of little things that, uh, across a wide range of concerns that have to be done right and have to be done right in a consistent way. Otherwise you end up leaving gaps. And so uh, the obvious question is, well, can operators do this? This is this is just something that um, I mean. They already the, the idea behind operators is to set up best practice deployments, but um, that should now include uh, security. And the answer is yes. And um, what I'd like to do is just give a couple of examples of how operators can fix these problems. And these are things that we do ourselves in our operator, and that other people are doing. Um, so uh, so we can drill in and just. And just show how these are uh, how these are not only possible to do, but they're things that you should really expect from an operator. So let's take connectivity. So connectivity is is just a problem everywhere. Um, it's complicated uh, encryption uh, setup. So this shows particular threats. Uh, the threat model for an application connecting through a load balancer. Um, it could be public or non-public, but anyway, it's it exposes. Uh, it, it's a doorway into the in, into a virtual private cloud. Um, it goes, you know, routes to a service and then it gets to a database. And so we could have things like, hey, the database needs a certificate. We need unencrypted, we need unencrypted or encrypted connections. Uh, we need to make sure that we're not accidentally exposing uh, endpoints, exposing user credentials or having a bunch of insecure ports that are just showing up um, on the Uh, on the network. So this is the kind of the attack surface. And what you can do with operators and what it's reasonable to expect is that operators just automatically take care of this. So for example, um, operators, they wouldn't necessarily generate the certificate, but they would give you an easy way of giving, of forwarding the certificate so that it becomes available to the server along with the private key, and that you have TLS correctly configured for the database, so that when connections reach it, they are uh, they're protected they're in flight. Similarly, you could, when you configure the database, you can lock down and in, uh, secure uh, insecure ports. Virtually every database has different kinds of ports that um, that are just kind of open. Uh, an example that's pretty wide, you know, widely. Appears for for Java-based implementations is things like JMX. That's a port that may or may not be protected. You may not think about it a lot when you're running in a in you know in your own private environment, but once you're in in something that's in the cloud in Kubernetes and potentially accessible, it becomes pretty pretty important. Obviously, you can pass credentials using secrets. Um, you can correctly uh, configure the private cloud endpoint. One of the things you want to do is have a have a way inside the uh, inside the operator so that these load balancers don't accidentally turn out to be public endpoints. And then, of course, you want to have TLS encryption um, on the connection, which may mean that as you go through these uh, through these endpoints, you have additional server uh, you know uh, setup of of certificates and things like that to allow connections. The actual a uh, configuration of the of the endpoints themselves, or excuse me the load balancers themselves, in our experience tends to be somewhat out of scope for operators, but it's definitely something where the operators can at least prevent you from creating the wrong type. So these are things that that you can reasonably look for in a in an operator, and they're actually things which by and large we do in our own operator and and other people do as well. So here's another example, kind of a completely, oh, here's an example of what, you know, just to give you an idea of what this might look like inside the operator. So I mentioned that the operators are just, you know, you have a a bit of YAML that uh, sets things up. And this is a typical example of a uh, YAML that's used to set up the uh, load balancer here. So we see that we have the the service annotations. These are um, uh, standard labels that, are recognized by um, Amazon in this case, and this will create an internal load balancer, so it won't have a public IP address. And then um, another thing that we do is we uh, we have special annotation for ports to ensure that these that only the secure protocols are permitted. So this uh, port is HTTPS. It must be um, that's going to be configured properly so that it's it's only a, a um, HTTPS there's a this secure client says hey make sure it's TLS encrypted so and other ports will just be shut down and not and not open so this is the kind of this is the way this this works out in practice it just makes it easy for people to get it right I'll give another example um, uh, supply chains so your your operators manage things which are um, uh, containers of various kinds. And you want to make sure there's some sort of program for scanning them, uh, reacting to problems, and of course signing things so you know what you're getting and and not just random software. And you also need to consider that in real systems, databases tend to have a lot of additional services that they need to work. They might be Prometheus, they might be Grafana, they might be editing tools. So those containers need to be uh, covered as well. Um, and not just some random software you're pulling off uh, Docker Hub. So uh, again, it, at a, in a different dimension, you'd look for uh, you know in the in the the, the supply chain management for the uh, for the operator that the containers are getting scanned. Uh, it's not just the operator itself, but that the it has a way of ensuring that you can use scanned containers and that those are available somewhere and that the people writing the operator are tracking dependencies. Uh, for example, on um, systems you're dependent on. So, in general, we can kind of summarize this as a set of features. I've just given two examples, but there's a bunch of security features. It's not a it's not a huge list, but um, this slide shows just the things that you would c- expect to see. You know, ranging from making sure that default accounts are locked down and not operating with passwords. All the way to things like minimizing the amount of uh, the number of privileges you need to run inside Kubernetes itself. Like you don't want to give operators privileges that could allow them to bring the cluster down, like um, destroy nodes or something like that. Um, And of course, software supply chain, uh, so on and so forth. So, in summary, with this, what we're looking for, uh, or what uh, this is something that users should look for: these features and. And you know, as people are are developing operators, they should think about these things as features to include in the operator implementation. So there's one other thing which is kind of a hallmark of any software that's um, that pays attention to security and that's documentation. So on top of all these other things, you would expect to see, and you should ask for a hardening guide. Uh, A lot of security is just configuring things. It's not actually implementation. So if you see an operator that has a hardening guide, that's a good sign. Correspondingly, if you don't see it, you should either write one or or ask for one to be written. So one of the things that, that, you know, in, in, in doing this work, what we realized was that there is kind of a gap on operator security. And it's not that people don't do it but there's a lot more that there's there's just some standard things that 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 everybody should do or at least consider in their implementations and so to try and fill that gap uh what we started in in data on kubernetes is a project to develop a security and hardening guide for dok oper- or for operators that will just give um developers sort of a a, a set of things they should say you know standard features that they could uh, that they can implement and that consumers can look for and the idea is to be kind of checklisty um you know it's just like oh you know secure default accounts um got it and uh yes uh, you know obviously you want to uh you know you'll do it in some way that's appropriate for your database but the point is you're doing it and we would like to invite you to participate in this project uh, it's just getting off the ground the next step is to write a uh you know to begin uh, writing a white paper to try and pull these ideas together and also um, build off without, uh, and, you know, try and build off stuff that already exists in in Kubernetes. Uh, one of the things that's really helpful is to get the experience from people who've done multiple types of operators for databases and uh, that will make this a better project and useful to more broadly useful. So here's some background information. Um, I will say that one of the inspirations here is OWASP, which I think many people who uh, do security are familiar with, but that gives a great set of guidelines for for building applications. Uh, The idea behind this is to create something similar for for operators, particularly operators on databases. And uh, with that, the talk is complete. Thanks, Robert, appreciate it. Thank you everybody, really appreciate it. Thanks everybody, have a good one.